get some more than Jan's going to go. <laughs> Should I open my eyes or not? <laughs> What a beautiful Sunday, sunny morning it is. Each time I've been here over the years, I say to you this morning, one of the strengths of this church is Brother Willis and what he just stated and how he relates to the children. And to build a church, it takes each and every person, whatever your age, station or position in life, our working together using the talents drawing from our life experiences and our spiritual giftedness to give our best to encourage and to build one another up. I find the children's messages very helpful. I think you do too. Just a side note, last Sunday was my last Sunday at New Creations Ministries in Salem. There was emotion at the end of the service. And I want to share with you a message I got last night from the chairman of the church board. He says, I'm going to have people planted in your service tomorrow, meaning here. They're all going to have their phones on and they're going to be calling each other. And I told each of them to put their ringers on loud. Ron is a, matter, uh, a man of good humor and strong faith and dedication. Last Sunday, knowing it was Pat and I's last Sunday there, he had some closing words to share to the congregation, but he teared up. He choked up. He's a strong man, but there was great emotion that he expressed as others did. But even as Brother Keith led in prayer a little while ago and prayed specifically for the people at New Creations, they are praying for those of us here this morning. So I'm delighted to be with you on this, the first Sunday, as your pastor. It is my hope and my prayer that each one of us would give their best I'm honored to be here, and I'm committed to giving my best on Sundays and during the weekdays, and I want you to know that 
my office door will always be open. Well, let me rephrase that. Last week, I ordered a sign to go on the office door that says, Welcome. Except when you see this sign, I'm busy. <laughs> so, hopefully I'll have that delivered by mail this week, and I think it's attractive, and it will be there. If you uh, drop in or call and come in, and we're sitting talking, I will display that sign. You're always welcome, except right now, I'm busy. So, It's my hope and prayer that today and each Sunday that follows that the services will be uplifting, that there will be joy and praise in our singing. And Jan, I don't think I had heard that song thrive, but that is beautiful. And those words shine like the sun and make the darkness run and hide. That's what we in Christ are called to do, to help scatter the darkness. This morning, I want to bring a message, part one, on the look of love. Love is one of those often used words. We say it, but what does it mean? We write it, but what does it mean? And I've chosen here in the New Testament book of Romans, chapter 12, Focusing this Sunday and next Sunday on verses 9 through 13, but this morning, just the first several of those verses. I wholeheartedly pray that together we will work to build a greater and more far-reaching witness, both here in this congregational fellowship, but also a more impactful witness in the larger community. It will take each one of us giving our best using our voices to encourage and to build up one another and our eyes to see people out there who need that word of hope, that word of encouragement. So this morning from God's word, I believe this is a, a passage of scripture that is vital for our spiritual health in our own lives and in our relationships with one another in Christ. Romans 12, verses 9 through 13 is a passage which describes the feel, the look, the nature of genuine Christian love. Not everyone whom you know, not everyone whom I know, has experienced genuine covenant love. And when we say Christian love, that is a covenant love. When we say I'm married, that is to be a covenant covenant love, a covenant relationship. <clears throat> I observe that today in many ways there's falseness in relationships. There are those who use people for their own self-love. There are those who try to scam and con us if they can. But in Christ, you and I are called to be a people that are bonded together in covenant love and all that that means. I believe with all my heart that the intentional 
and focused witness of the gospel overcomes barriers that the witness of our love for God and for one another overcomes obstacles, brings down the barriers that might hold someone back from coming to know and to love, to honor and serve Christ. I believe that if we have a focused and intentional witness of the gospel, we tear down those barriers. And we can be persons that, through a word spoken, can give hope to someone who is feeling hopeless, who, who can give courage to someone who is discouraged for whatever reason. The world so desperately needs today the love, the witness, the example, the experience of genuine love. A love that builds up and encourages one another. A love that reaches out and even puts the arm around someone who we sense or we hear from what they say that they're discouraged. But I ask the question, what does love look like? What does love look like? This morning as I came in, I went into my office. <laughs> and there was a lovely note. I'm not sure who wrote it, but it was coming from you as a congregation. It says, Praise to our Almighty God for a new beginning as you begin your service here. May we feel His presence and guidance as we seek to serve Him. In Christian love, this CBC church family. And there is a glass dish in the shape of a heart filled with chocolates. I gave in to the temptation before I came in here to unwrap one of those chocolates and they're dark chocolate. So I can eat all of them because dark chocolate's good for you, right? What does love look like? The ninth verse of chapter 12 of Romans says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. When I read that verse, I'm reminded we are to hate the sin, but love the sinner. And so in the verses that we'll be focusing on this morning and next Sunday, I want us to grow in our insight, our understanding as to what it means to love without hypocrisy, to be genuine in our love for one another, and to be genuine in our care about those who yet need to know that God loves them, that He knows them by name, and that He calls them to be more than they are. Week before last, Pat and I ate at the diner there in Lowmore. We walked in. Before we got our seats, one of the workers there, she's a cook. Her name is Libby. She came from out behind the counter and hugged me. I'll never forget when I first met Libby and several others that lived in her house in Clifton Forge.
She told me that day that she and the others all were addicted to cocaine. And I gave a one-word, one-sentence sermon. I said to those seven young adults in that room, God has a better plan for your life than you yourself have. And evidently those words resonated with Libby and with another young lady whose name is Shannon. And I was thrilled as Pat and I went there just a few days ago that she's still working there and that she felt the comfort in coming out and greeting the two of us but to hug me. Because in that hug, there, that hug, there's been again and again, I thank you for giving that word of hope and of promise that God knows me by name and has a plan for my life better than what I've had for myself. My point is, love is expressed in action. Genuine love is always express, expressed in action in our actions to one another and in our actions towards those we meet through the pathways of life. I want to say something about the church. This is the meeting place of the church. We don't go to church, we go to the meeting place of the church. You, the people, are the church. Catholic Pete, a priest a friend of mine, Brother Collins, I remember years ago he said, yes, you cannot go to that which you are. You are the church. We go to the meeting place. Though we commonly say, I went to church last Sunday. No, if you are the church, you were in the meeting place last Sunday. The church is a meeting place, but most of all, it is a people with whom even in our darkest and most difficult times of life, we come together to encourage one another, to pray for one another. And you and I are called to pro broadcast to others during the week, the people we may encounter, that God loves them and that God has knows them by name and calls them to a better life than perhaps they have ever known to that point. You and I are called to broadcast this truth of God's love, His inclusive love, His reconciling grace, the salvation, the life, newness of life, and the promise of life eternal in the place called heaven. We're called to make known that message which is the gospel. And so this morning, I want us to look at four or five phrases found in verses 10 and 11 of Romans 12. We'll read verse 10 and 11 at this time. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Let's consider that phrase, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. The word brotherly, well, that's the idea of family love. In other words, because of who we are in Christ, we are joined together in brotherly love, family love. 
This means we love each other as being part of the same family. This means, to put it another way, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. One should never, ever say they dislike someone who's part of their family. Now let me make a side comment. Sometimes family members are awkward, they are annoying, they're quirky. But we're to love those who are members of the family as our brothers and sisters in Christ, even, even when he or she makes a mistake, even though they may be annoying, even though there may be some who say, well, I don't really like so-and-so. You have the voice to say, well... He, she, is my brother, my sister in Christ. And together we must learn how to make that love and caring for one another more real. Why? Because the more real our love for one another and the more genuine our love for God, the world out there takes notice. They notice how we relate to each other. And it's either for good it's not for good. There's a Greek word that we translate in English as church. It's ekklesia. And it means the called out ones, the ones who've been called out of the world and called into relationship with one another and with Jesus Christ as Savior. We're called out of the world out of the ways of the world. This means that the nature of our love for one another is to be a clear indication that you know and that I know Jesus as our Savior and that we want to honor and serve and love him as our Lord and Master. Certainly, we are closer to some members of the family than we are others. That's true in the church family. In May, I'll be flying to California to attend a wedding of a young couple. I had one brother and one sister. The sister was murdered in Atlanta, Georgia, before she was 35. I had an older brother by three years, but he died more than 10 years ago. Had one son. That son has three children, and his oldest is being married in May, and they've asked that I would be there. So God willing, I plan to fly from Roanoke to California for that wedding and then return soon thereafter. I'm looking forward to that. My nephew, his name is Rob, he calls me on average every three or four weeks. I have become for him his dad. Not to take the place of his dad, but I am to him like a dad. 
And so it's a very special bond I have with him and with his wife. And I look forward to being there as his oldest is united in the bond of covenant marriage. Romans 12, verse 10, the second part of verse 10 says, giving preference to one another in honor. Now, it can be a little difficult understanding what Paul means in this particular verse. Giving preference to one another. Oh, but we're not to show favorites, are we? But the scripture says, giving preference to one another in honor. I like the insight of one commentator who concluded, the teaching here does not demand of me that I reason that a fellow member is my superior. No. It asks us to have an attitude of being humble-minded knowing that we can benefit from the words, the encouragement, the building up, the example of another. For God works in and through each person that comes into our lives to teach us something. Christians should know that not any one of us could say absolutely that our motives have always been pure, have always been consistent. We cannot say that because I'm a Christian, my perspective has to be the right perspective. I hope that it is, but I cannot say it always is. We are to learn from one another. To honor others above ourselves would mean assuming the best rather than the worst about that other person's intentions. It would mean being quick to look for the good in others and being willing to praise them so that we can encourage them. It means taking the time if we hear something about another person, taking the time to learn the facts before making any kind of judgment about that person or the situation and circumstances. It means being concerned with the feelings of the other person rather than just with one's own self. I see in these verses we examined this morning for Romans 12, the principle not lagging behind in, in diligence or zeal. Those are words in that passage. That is a warning about the tendency. Do you ever get lazy? Jan, do you ever get lazy? Gerald, do you ever get lazy? Oh, <laughs> all the time. Where the word of the scripture says, not lagging behind in diligence or zeal. Those words are warning us about the tendency to get lazy in our relationships, 
our relationships with one another, our relationship with the Lord. And whenever we get lazy in our relationship, that relationship weakens. And as a relationship weakens, there's the loss of joy, there's the loss of gladness, there's the lost sense of value in that relationship. So the scripture is reminding us not lagging behind in diligence or in zeal. That means many things, but it means most of all we do not give up. We don't allow ourselves to get lazy in our private lives, in our relationships with the wife and children, in the work we do, or in the ministries and the responsibilities that we share together in the life of the local congregation. I'm reminded of the words the Apostle Paul wrote in his Corinthian letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. He said, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? You run in such a way that you may win. Are you running in the race of life with your eye on the goal, on the prize? What is that prize? The scripture says elsewhere that one day we want to hear God say, Well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into Enter into the joy of the kingdom. Verse 11, first part of verse 11, chapter 12 says, Be fervent in the Spirit, serving the Lord. Paul seems to emphasize that the one who knows how to love is a person who knows that love comes from God, and that person is motivated by their love for God to love and care about one's brothers and sisters in Christ, but also to have a love that compels one to take notice of those out there in the world and to listen and be sensitive to the Spirit when He may open the way for you to speak a word that will make a life-changing impact in that person's life. I'm reminded of what we read in the book of Revelation. I'm thinking there of chapter 3, the letters to the churches. And those letters to the churches mentioned by name, there were words of rebuke and there were words of praise. I'm reminded of these words found in chapter 3 of Revelation, verse 15 and 16. John was inspired of God to write, to say, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. But because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Those were words written to Laodicea, the church that was lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. That congregation had lost their zeal. They were in a routine that lacked purpose and direction. And in our own day, increasingly in our own day, 
There are church houses, the meeting places, that stand empty. There are church houses, properties that are being sold to be repurposed. Why is that so? We're not called to age in place. We're called to be a people who gather to encourage one another to use our voices. Some sing high, some sing high and some sing lower. But we use our voices in songs of praise, in worship. And we bring our prayers, knowing that God hears our prayers, the prayers of his people. And that there's the promise in Romans 8, 28, that in all things I'm working for good for those that love me who are called according to my purpose. In too many places, Church houses stand empty, now closed. Somewhere along the way, they lost the zeal and the sense of focus. But the other letters, the ones that contain the words of praise, also contain the words of challenge. Keep on doing that which you formerly did. God wants his people to keep the zeal and the focus alive and strong. When one is drifting from God, that person is beginning to drift from their ability to love God as we should love God. They're drifting from their ability to love and care and encourage others in the walk of faith. If we grow lax in our spiritual discipline of prayer and Bible study and worship and service, <clears throat> then we grow weak in our witness for Christ. Now I'm reminded of what Paul wrote in another one of his letters where he said simply, Whatsoever you do, do with all of your might as unto the Lord. Covington Baptist Church must be known, we must be known in our love for the Lord and known for our love and our care for one another and motivated by that love to work together in drawing others into the household of faith. When the people of God truly love and love and care for one another, the world out there takes notice. They also take notice when we don't. We want the world out there to hear our words that speak of God and His love for us and our love for Him. We want the world out there to hear evidence that we love one another we want the world out there to hear that we welcome the whosoever will come to the meeting place and we will receive them warmly and genuinely and we welcome them into the gathering. I hope if you are visiting this morning, I hope if you've been here numerous times before but have never stayed for one of the church fellowship dinners, I hope you will stay today. 
one of the things that I feel that those who are most always here and those who attend all the fellowship dinners, if there's someone whom you think, well, I think they must be here for the first time sharing this meal, that you not only greet them, but someone of you will sit down at the table with them and build the bridge that builds the relationship that gives the hope, the encouragement to keep on keeping on. In closing, I'm reminded of the words that Jesus spoke found in the 15th chapter of John's Gospel, verse 12. Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. It's my hope and prayer that you and I, strong in our love for God, strong in our love for one another, that that same love extends the hand, hand of welcome and fellowship to that newcomer or to that one who participates in some way for the first time and that we can have the words that communicate, I'm genuinely excited that you are here with us. God has a plan. In fact, we read in the scripture where God said, I know the plans I have for you to give you what? A future and a hope. God wants his people to hear that challenge. I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope. He's saying that to the congregation of Covington Baptist Church. That loving him, caring for one another, God has a plan for the individual and for the congregation to give us a future and a hope. A future and a hope that's greater than the present day. God has a plan. This morning we prepare to sing our closing hymn near to the heart of God.